Welcome to Rewilding Work. I'm Paul Miller. Tom Ford, what an iconic fashion brand. And like other leading luxury brands, we assume their human resource approach will be top of the line too. But in my experience, inside many creative companies, HR is less mature than you might imagine. Now at Tom Ford Fashion, that is changing with the arrival of their first chief people officer in the form of my guest today, Abigail Wilmore. I first met Abigail when she was in a senior HR role at another great fashion house, Stella McCartney. For Abigail, Tom Ford is a greenfield site, so I was really interested to know, where do you start? So, Abigail, you recently started as Chief People Officer at iconic global fashion brand Tom Ford Fashion, and there's also a new CEO starting at, I think, much the same time. So it sounds like change is in the air over at Tom Ford Fashion. What what attracted you to what sounds like a really fascinating role, and, and, and where do you start when you start a role like this? Yes, Um so I started three months ago, and this is my third end of my third month. And you're right, the CEO also started really recently. Um, I mean, it's such an iconic brand with such a, a legacy in a way already, even though it's 17 years old only. Um, it's such a it, the brand has such a high perception on the outside um, of being, you know the most one of the most luxury brands within luxury fashion so it was just a role that was too (laughs) exciting to say no to for sure but also just coming back into fashion was something that was really appealing to me and to do it for such a brand and and help them to you know design the new organization and design the the new future was um was a challenge that I just really wanted to take Hmm. And is uh, is there a, a particular change agenda that Tom Ford Fashion has got? Because there is a new CEO. You're now uh, you're a new head of HR. That's that's quite a lot. That sounds to me like an organisation with a mission to change things. Yes. Well, it, I mean, uh, Mr. Ford and Mr. Desole, who were. Um, running the brand before sold to Estee Lauder at the end of last year. And then Xenia Group has bought uh, the license for Tom Ford Fashion for 30 years. So it's not really running as a license, actually. And so all the stores, it's operating as its own business, Tom Ford Fashion. And then there's also the beauty side of the business, which is and was already operated by Estee Lauder. So it's a it's a wonderful mix of American business culture, Ooh. As an American, you know, founded brand, um, and Estee Lauder being an American brand, and then Xenia being a very um, beautiful heritage, family-run uh, brand, and Tom Ford being one of their um, brands within Xenia Group. They also own Tom Brown, another American fashion brand, um, and so that happened at the end of last year. So it was kind of in the middle of the transition. So it's almost like looking at every single aspect of how the brand operates um with a with a completely new lens um 
and the creative director, Peter Hawkins, who stepped into Tom Ford's uh, position, um, was his, you know, ideal successor because he'd been working with him for over 25 years, even before setting up um, Mr. Ford set up his own brand. He was working with him at Gucci. So everything is like set for success. Um, And now we we're looking at, yeah, designing the organization, setting up kind of the infrastructure and foundations that perhaps weren't, weren't there before. Yeah. So, so what is it you want to achieve on a people or HR level? What's your, where, where do you sort of start from? Do you have a kind of picture of what you're trying to create or or values or principles you try and bring into it? Yes. I mean, the first few months have been about discovery, um, but it is like building the plane and flying it at the same time <laughs> um, from day one. Uh, so looking through the lens of, well, my own values obviously always come into how I'm going to look at setting up um, a new HR function or, or um, molding one that that is already uh, or evolving one that's already there. Um, so with a lot of integrity, ultimately listening to people. Um, and, you know, that that's been what I have focused on in these first three months is basically talking to as many people as possible to understand, you know, their reality, what they're going through, um, what they need more support with in order to then prioritize the right, you know, aspects. I can see immediately what needs to be done from a foundation infrastructure perspective with, with the HR function, but then in terms of a more visionary view, it is going to be about more transparency, um, a much more inclusive um, business culture that that looks, you know, that kind of brings the whole world together. And um, without breaching any confidences, when you're listening to people, what are you hearing? What are the main sort of themes? Yes. Um, well, having gone through the pandemic like every other brand um which was quite tough um and then you know the the ongoing kind of sale process there are some real diehard passionate tom ford people brands that are extremely talented i mean there's talent everywhere um because you know the brand was set up on quality excellence you know almost perfectionism in a way um so there's there's the kind of underlying feeling of um change fatigue i would say mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. a, a, an excitement about the future that's kind of underpinning almost everything really now because mm. we see um what peter can do and the collections are just beautiful and so you know i think there there's also the investment now to you know to make real change um and that is always exciting for people and it's really just about again prioritizing um what we're mm. going to, what we're going to focus on first that will have the biggest impact but people definitely want to know you know more about the future and have mm. better internal communication which is something that comes out in almost every you know employee survey that i've ever done in any company mm. that people want better communication and to understand what the vision is and what the mm. what strategy is for for achieving that vision and how teams are going to be working together um so that definitely came through um 
And, and, and you also mentioned about um, uh, the need for an infrastructure, an HR infrastructure. What, what, what does that mean? Um, we need to look at all of the policies and procedures and the frameworks within which people are working right now and just elevate them, you know, bring them into a, a more inclusive place. Um, and that can, I, you know, I want to do that with people. Um, so designing for all of the kind of recent changes that we've all been through from a mental, physical, spiritual, emotional standpoint um and what you know businesses should be obligated to provide not just from a benefit mm. perspective but just and enabling people to feel seen and heard through that you know through policies and procedures which doesn't sound very um you know it's not it's not perhaps the the most exciting um end of mm. resources but i think it's really critical to get those things in place um, and to design them with people is usually the best, best yeah. way. And, and what is people flow and, and what does that bring to, to employees? So people flow is actually my own business, which I set up um, a few years ago now um, during the pandemic, actually, which was originally a consultancy. So um, we were able to, when I was working at Stella McCartney, to use our one of our days um, that we had reduced our salary um, to to utilize it in the way that we wanted. So I set up my own consultancy. But the more important and exciting area of people flow that I'm looking at now is to help to build the next generation of HR professionals to help them become, to feel more equipped and resilient and confident to speak up and to influence and to be seen as strategic within their businesses because I see that often the HR teams within organizations are the ones that are really run ragged and aren't able mm. to take advantage of you know the the wellness strategies that they might have put in place for employees so that is a community that I am um, inviting people to and it's growing and that is where I'm getting a lot of um, my own personal energy from actually because there's some great feedback from it. And are you, I mean, I'm, I, I, from what I know, knowing you, you you are an example of, of leadership in this area and also some of the practices that, how are you bringing that into your work and how are you in a way setting an example of what you know i, I know we're, i don't want to call, i don't know looking after yourself uh, transparency open communication trust it's for me it, it starts with boundaries and having boundaries for oneself especially going into a new new job because you can you know, nobody knows you and you have the opportunity to really remind yourself what your boundaries are and make sure that you stick to them. Because that for me is, it's always been a, a, a practice, let's say, and um, something that I am challenged with every day in myself. Um, but having those boundaries then will enable me to, you know, look after my own wellness and my own mental health, because there is, 
there is always so much to do for everybody. You know, we could work 24, seven, three, six, five, and still not get through, you know, our to-do list. So yeah, boundaries is where it starts for me. Um, and then just noticing, because if you have more time, noticing when your values have been crossed. And so mm. really being clear about what your own values are. And sometimes they can change or evolve, let's say, um, through life, I've found. But generally, your kind of core values tend to stay the same and you bring them with you into, you know, relationships, personal and professional and and your work. So, yeah, mm. boundaries and values. Um, but then, yeah, the community is about helping people to recognize how to speak up if one's values are crossed or if you are sitting out of integrity, which happens a lot in human resources. Sometimes we have to give messages that we don't necessarily mm. be with sometimes. Um, <laughs> so how do you live with that in yourself? Um, so I think that that's something that I've learned a lot about in the last few years. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, it feels to me, I don't know if this is true, but I think the pandemic has brought an awful lot of um, intense change or need for intense change across HR as a profession. And I think I can't remember a period where I've seen um, that the, both through digitization, but through practices change. And um, would that be a fair way of describing the HR industry? Yes, I 100% agree with you. I I think that, you know, it was it's um it's it's a brilliant thing that finally it felt like during the pandemic HR was recognized for what HR brings to a to a company. We were kind of thrust into the spotlight um which was needed um and was you know, was really tough as well. Um, oh. And now we're, you know, we're a few years on and I, I think our role has become so vast to encompass everything that it means to be human at work. Oh. Definitely was not taught um, at, you know, any of the kind of uni courses that I did. Um, but being able to, be an expert or be seen as an expert in so many other subjects in diversity, equity and inclusion, in, in mental health, in, you know, so many areas which are, are now the critical areas um, of importance. And I feel that we're not, we're not equipped necessarily to, mm. you know, and, and if you're in human resources, then you have a real you know, you're a people person, you, mm. you are there because often you'll have really high emotional intelligence and be able to respond and react to, you know, to people extremely well and help an organization to navigate its way through and help people to thrive in that organization. Um, mm. But sure, being ready for change and being as, you know, enabling ourselves to become experts in these areas through our own uh, learning and, you know, our own networks. Um, that's certainly what I have found I needed to do. Um, and that puts even more pressure on us. So, mm. yeah. And I, and one of the things I, I think about as if HR needs another thing to think about is that, I mean, 
perhaps in my role, I've been talking to quite a few people involved with AI, unsurprisingly. And one thing that strikes me about it is AI is all about how it's going to replace human beings or what it's going to do or how it's going to support. But actually, I think the question it, it asks of us is what is a human being? Because it keep, there's an assumption in AI will replace this and this is that we know what a human being is rather than actually do we really understand or, or what it means to be human, what true humanity, true creativity is, what authenticity, trust. And actually, um, it's almost like a, a wake-up call for <laughs> AI. It's almost kind of like, well, what have you got? And I'll tell you what we've I've got. I can do all this stuff. Aren't I smart? And um, I think it's kind of it's 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 fascinating to think about that the, as you put it, the number of things that are being asked of HR, and you can't do you can't do everything. So what have I not? I know we haven't got very long, Abigail. But what have I not asked you? You'd like to you'd like to share? Well, perhaps on the on the topic of AI, like I'm really hoping that. And well, I know, and I know because it's happening already in in many businesses, not in the fashion industry yet. We're a little far behind, perhaps, but um, that the transactional activities of, you know, the the HR function, all the way up to, I don't know where that line is actually, and where you do really need a human interaction, um, Ooh. but you know, everything that 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 we have to do from a transactional perspective, if that is able to be operated through AI, which I know it will be, and it is already. Um, that is very, very exciting to me because that does mean that all of this other areas um, around the hum- what it is to be human at work, yeah. <laughs> um, we can focus on. We can focus on that, and, and that should enable us to really, you know, dig in deeper to what what does what are the ingredients to that we need to create within an organization to help people flourish. You know, one thing that strikes me that AI could do that would be really useful. So, I mean, organizations offer um, uh, coaching, uh, support, uh, mentoring to people. And and you've probably been through it and I've been through it. You, You kind of then go sort of shopping for the right person. But if an AI was listening to this conversation, and let's say you and I were on the lookout for a coach or a therapist or somebody to, you know, it it ought to be able to look, understand, maybe read some cues and maybe say, look, we've looked across 10,000 therapists. And actually, there's the five that I think would really suit you. They're all quite different. That would feel like when I'm my hopes around AI are that very, very smart support rather than somebody who's trying to um, make us redundant. But um, um, Abigail, it's been lovely to talk to you. Um, I'm fascinated to hear how the role goes and um, makes me just want to kind of go and see what the latest Tom Ford collection is. Welcome in the stores. Welcome in the stores. (laughs) Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Abigail. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Pundit time, and today I have two Helens. 
Helen Marshall is Chief Learning Officer at Thrive, a learning and skills platform and host of the podcast Diary of a CLO, as in Chief Learning Officer. Helen Day is Chief Operating Officer for the Digital Workplace Group and earlier in her career managed the intranet at Boots. Helen Marshall, um, were you surprised that a luxury brand like Tom Ford Fashion was only now getting a, a Chief People Officer? Because it really, I was a bit surprised, but what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I suppose an initial reaction could potentially have been one of surprise because they're quite a well-established brand. They're a name that kind of is synonymous with with luxury fashion. Um, and they've been around for, what, nearly nearly 20 years, something like that now. Um, but but from a, the other side of it is they're a relatively small business in themselves, obviously part of a much, much broader group now, but um, less than... Um, less than 200 staff i think so um from from that scale um it, it's potentially not that unusual for for businesses to still be figuring out what hr or a hr department might look like within a business of that size um but it obviously shows that there's a renewed uh, investment a new a renewed interest in how they support their people what the future looks like and in a, i guess in a changing landscape and given the amount of change that, that everyone's been through not 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 only um fashion um it seems like it's an appropriate time to be to be thinking about how you instigate hr and uh, what was interesting mm-hmm. is um abigail mentioned the word inclusion a few times so i'm wondering if that's kind of a, a key focus for them as a business is how do we make a more inclusive environment for people which uh, i think will be is really important particularly within the in the fashion and retail sectors yeah i think it's quite easy isn't it to assume just because a brand's really well known i mean you know when you think of tom ford you think of films you think clothes you think high end and as she said it's a luxury brand within the luxury brand world you then assume they're going to have sort of luxury brand elite levels of approaches to everything but as you say it's it's not huge in the in terms of the number of employees there and so you know having hr practice and sort of trying to mature that makes a lot of sense so helen day i have to call both of you by your surnames as well which sounds a bit sort of formal but um it's the only way to do it Uh, so abigail helen day had a green field um uh, in an hr people sense but with lots of culture in my view in place so she starts with with listening what do you what do you make of that as a as a as a place to start from i think it's a really great start it's a really great approach i mean as, as abigail mentioned um you get lots of surveys in organizations and data and she was probably given lots of data when she arrived but that doesn't substitute for talking to people and listening to people in in the environment in which they work and and lots of organizations have great people and talent and passion and culture like we've talked about um but maybe little structure behind them to make them thrive so i think i just think listening helps people helps leaders understand what the blocks are and the challenges for people uh, it's also an immediate win i would imagine i mean if, if a new hr director comes into an organization and listens to you you feel listened to and, uh, and it's a foundation for them feeling looked after uh, as with all people roles, you've got to balance the needs of the business and the people. But if people feel listened to and respected, they're far more likely to care for the business and help drive the business forward. So, yeah, great mm. start. 
Yeah, I suppose you probably. I'm just kind of thinking that if you if you start listening to a bit in a business that hasn't had a lot of people listening, um, it could produce quite a lot of things that you're then almost called on to respond to. What are you going to do about this? And how are we going to be, as you mentioned, a more inclusive company, um, Helen? Um, uh, so it, it's it's quite a brave move to make, I think, as well. So Helen Marshall. Um, Talent, creativity, beauty, perfection. Abigail talked about all of these things. I mean, is that a challenge or an opportunity when you're trying to establish better internal communications, clarity on vision and business strategy? I couldn't quite decide for myself on that. What do you think? I think what's interesting in in those terms and to lean into what Helen was just saying is, it's that they're very kind of human things or things that you might have an emotive response to as an individual. Um, So it's coming back to that point on um, bringing it back to the human and and making sure you understand what it is that you're, you're doing and what's the purpose behind it and what that looks like for, for an individual, but a wide, the wider business as well. And really important, uh, important things, you know, to think about, particularly from a talent perspective, how do you lean into that? And I think perfectionism is a really difficult word to unpack, particularly within a workplace, because yes, with a luxury brand like Tom Ford, you're aiming for perfection in in that uh, elite customer experience. But then from an individual showing up at work, uh, perfectionism uh, indicates high performance. So how do you kind of balance employee well-being and uh, creating, again, those inclusive environments in a way that doesn't burn people out, um, but that you're aiming for the very best for the brand itself? So, so yeah, some some really interesting kind of focus there um, from Abigail, but also some, some potentially quite tricky words too. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, Helen Day, it's quite a, a sort of challenge, isn't it, to come into a culture... Because these are quite unusual organisations. I mean, Abigail was at Stella McCartney and um, and then a, a, a German skincare brand. So she obviously really likes these very creative, passionate, quite exciting environments. But they also, as, as Abigail uh, spoke about, need HR infrastructure, maybe what we could call the essential policies and procedures. So what's your take from what Abigail said about how she's he's tr- she's trying to tackle that kind of less creative, less exciting area of HR. I think, as Abigail said, it's not very exciting. <laughs> you know, it's one of those, but it's a foundation. I, I think it creates a foundation. And, and for me, what policies and procedures bring, if they're well-written and thought through, is transparency. And, and that's one of the comments I think she made, because uh, transparency is really important. If everyone's got that kind of common foundation, they understand where, how they're working. Everyone's being treated the same way within the right context. And therefore, it's seen as fair. And, and for me, that fairness means everyone's feeling equally respected again, respect what I made earlier, I suppose. Um, and it removes potential bones of contention. And, and that the inclusivity point, I think she, she also mentioned around here, and I think that's all about enabling the full range of talent to be able to thrive together, which again helps people um, thrive as an organisation. But it, and it's, if you've got that sense of fairness, it takes any questions away and allows people to thrive in their own way. Mm, yeah, and and it, it, it's so true, isn't it, Helen uh, Marshall? Isn't it that HR teams can get very stressed when handling 
uh, other people's stresses. Um, I hadn't really thought about that till Abigail mentioned it, and boundaries and values came up. In your role as Chief Learning Officer at Thrive, does this match your own experience that people, in a way, need to look after themselves in order to be able to look after others? A sort of loaded question. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you can only um, help others. It's that, you know, putting your own oxygen mask on before helping um, other people on an aeroplane. It's the same thing. And then we talk about that in relation to to mental health and, and, and well-being um, more broadly. But from a HR perspective, certainly those that they are the people on the front line helping others. And there's almost that kind of expectation that they're, they're just going to be OK and they're going to get on with things and they're going to continue kind of fighting the good fight. But at what cost does that come with? And uh, it, I, I found real kind of correlation with what Abigail was talking about there in relation to HR in L&D as well. And there's been a real focus over the past 12 months uh, and, and probably heading into this year as well around how do L&D teams specifically spend the time developing themselves. So it's the same thing, kind of they're spending their times helping um, individuals to learn and to develop, but how are L&D teams doing that for themselves? So yeah, real kind of similarities there in our, in our focus. And uh, it's just really important to make the space to recognise that actually it's okay to to need that support and yourself as a, as a HR professional or to invest in yourself and the skills that you have as an L&D professional and kind of vice versa if there are crossovers within your organisation. So yeah, it's really great to be aware of that it's now kind of how do you action that on a very practical level is is i suppose the next step Mm. yeah it's sort of like the flip side of um what's that you know the cobbler's shoes story you know people who look after others don't look after themselves so i think it's it's a really important thing and thank you for explaining what L&D is. I knew what it was, but I, I'd, I'd have to kind of uh, explain it for uh, viewers and listeners. And you, you did, learning and development. And um, that's great. So, Helen Day, um, any overall reflections on, on my conversation um, with Abigail? I mean, she's a really kind of warm um, person to talk to. And I can see why she's probably very good at listening to people. Yeah, I think... Um... I picked up a, a couple of points personally and and from an HR perspective, really. I mean, I really like the way she said that she that her own values create the lens through which she wants to develop support for her team. Um, and I hadn't really thought about that before. I think it's very true. And I think she was a great example, uh, a great reminder to lead by example. You know, as she said, uh, and, and Helen's just mentioned around perfection, an HR team for people, leaders, to, uh, to-do list is never done. It's never ending. You can always do better. So mm. how do you draw your own boundaries around that? I think the second point. And, and from an HR perspective, um, you can't be an expert at everything. And I think that was a point she made, you know. So it's when, mm. when is the right time to bring experts in to help you support your team? And, and I think her point about post-pandemic, the remit of HR being better recognised, but also covering a much wider range of things to just help support people thrive. Um and I just, she, yeah, she was really, I think it, it came across really clearly that if you look after your people, they'll look after you and they'll look after the business. And, and that was a very strong theme for her, I think. Yeah, and that's definitely, um, I don't know if you'd agree, Helen Marshall, that the, 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 one of the effects of the pandemic is, is a greater appreciation, understanding that people need to be looked after in organisations and that 
in a way, that's a sort of ongoing requirement. Um, any other overall kind of things that came to you when you were watching the interview? Yeah, I think I think overall, I mean, I'd echo Helen's comments there that um, on, a, on a personal level, she seems uh, Abigail is extremely um, approachable in the way that she's uh, thinking about what the what her role looks like and what HR looks like for, for Tom Ford more broadly. Um, some of the things that she spoke about in terms of how AI, for example, is going to change the role of HR and and um, her, her role as CPO more more specifically were quite interesting. Um, so it's interesting to keep, I suppose, to keep an eye on that and, and how that mm. develops and how potentially people might be able to dedicate more time to the things that bring them joy because AI AI will um, automate the things that, that potentially uh, people don't really want to spend the time doing. Obviously, Tom Ford, as, a, as an American brand, has hired um, someone who's based in the UK as their, their CPO, because I imagine that will bring its own challenges in terms of geographies and uh, cultural differences that need to be overcome as well. So, again, I- interesting to see how it plays out. But it sounds like a really exciting time for, for Tom Ford, and but also for their staff as well, for potentially to create something that's an environment that's more inclusive, that's more value driven, um, and that has that basis in firm foundation of, of policy and procedure. So, yeah, overall, really interesting conversation. It'd be interesting to follow uh, Abigail's uh, journey as well. And I'll, I'll try and say interesting one more time. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it it's happening at a time when they've just got a new CEO. Obviously, there's been various restructurings of the company. They've I couldn't quite get my head around who's acquired whom, but 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 clearly there's a lot of change, structural change, happened inside the organisation, and so it's clearly uh, interesting. And um, I'm going to keep my eye on Tom Ford Fashion. Okay, thank you so much, both of you, for um, joining the conversation and giving me your reflections on my on my chat interview with with Abigail Wilmore. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So here are my three C's to plan based on my conversation with Abigail Wilmore. Seed number one, in a new people role, listen to as many people as possible early on. It's essential that you hear what people in the new organisation that you've joined have to say. Seed number two. HR people need to look after themselves as well as the employees they support. It's so often the case that people neglect their own well-being when their role is to look after the well-being of others. And seed number three, creative companies need as many core business approaches as everyone else. Just because they're creative doesn't mean that everything needs to be creative. They need some core functions, just like any organization. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to the channel and see you next time.